Hello and welcome to the Popcorn Isn't Real. I'm Leif Eric and I'm here with my co-host Torvald. This is the podcast where we talk about fan theories and yeah. we take deep dives into alternate interpretations of films. This time we oh are boy. continuing our this epic breakdown of the Terminator series and we are going to be talking about the last three movie, no, last, last four, four movies. <laughs> movies in the franchise. Terminator 3, Salvation, Genesis, and Dark Fate. And we're going to be talking to the writer. Michael Ferris, the man who wrote Terminator 3 and Terminator Salvation. So you will be hearing portions of that interview throughout the course of this episode. We are pleased to welcome to our podcast, Michael Ferris. Hi. When we have someone on our podcast, I usually like to ask them, how did your career get started as a screenwriter? And how did you end up kind of coming to write things like The Net and Terminator Salvation? My career did not start on my own. I worked with John Brancato for many, many years. We have a working relationship that lasted longer than most Hollywood marriages. <laughs> he and I started off working uh, for um, Roger Corman, actually. Uh-huh. Uh, and did uh, did a number of low-budget movies for him, horror movies, The Unborn and uh, Watchers 2. Corman doesn't change anything you write because he can't afford to. He's not going to pay for another draft. He's not going to hire another writer. Everything they say about him is true. He gives he, he has given so many people a break, you know. So you ended up writing Terminator 3 and Terminator Salvation. Were you like a fan of the Terminator series before that happened? And, and if so, was that like really cool? Everybody, certainly of our you know generation, was yeah, everyone. Yeah, the first one just blew me away for all of its ingenuity and, and managing to do all it did on a low budget too. And yeah. obviously, work with a less low budget. But you know, and, and, and I think it's easy for people to forget now that we literally never seen anything like that before. Those those mm-hmm. morphing effects, the liquid metal guy and stuff was just mm-hmm. brand new. It was astonishing. When John Mostow came to us and said that they tapped him to direct the third one and do we want to write it, we're like, yeah, obviously. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't like we had to scratch our heads and go, is this a, a smart career move? <laughs> Getting into the fan theory. So Skynet are actually the good guys. Their goal is and has always been to preserve humanity. And that might mean destroying some of the more warlike humans, but their goal is to preserve the most humans possible and make them live long, happy lives. We specifically wanted to talk to you about it because, of course, your original script for this kind of contains a lot of stuff of the Skynet kind of being sort of the good guys. Skynet had basically crunched the numbers and, and said humanity probably doesn't have 40 years left at the rate that they're destroying the planet, so better to call the species now. There's a TX in this that they also call the Terminatrix. Uh, I mean, I guess because it's female. Because she's a woman. I know. It's what? a little bit. Uh, <laughs> a female Terminator? Uh, not best thing. It's but. so cringy, dude. Like, why would they call her that? John Connor is a strung out junkie in this movie. He breaks into a veterinary clinic just to steal just to get drugs. their meds like, and get drugs. Like, he has no reason for it. He actually is just no, a junkie. He's a junkie. <laughs> and his future wife, Kate Brewster owns this place like it turns out she knew him they were childhood friends and she asks him like why did he just like disappear in 1991 even though she knows his parents were murdered (laughs) yeah and also like probably would have seen the news report about those two who wrecked the mall chasing john connor but (laughs) right in this one arnold schwarzenegger is a t850 he's slightly upgraded 
That never matters. I don't know why, <laughs> but he's a T850. It was just to get people to buy the new model. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, it's like the iPhone. Incremental you know. upgrades that don't do anything. <laughs> so when he first meets John Connor in this movie, he like walks up to John and says, John Connor, it is time. And John says, well, you're going to kill me. And then the T850 walks forward menacingly and then stares at him for like a solid like two seconds of silence and says, no, you must live. You had to think about it. <laughs> Why is this Terminator saying, John Connor, it is time? It's time for what? Time for him not to die? Because he spent a lot of time not dying. Like, what, what do you mean, T850? <laughs> what is it time for? Time for dinner? This one was programmed by Kate Brewster in the future, not John Connor. And she does okay. not have the same easy money skills to just plug into a mm, robot right, yeah. and change its, its programming. So, like, he's just kind of confused because he was, he was programmed by an amateur. I mean, there's a few weird things that I wanted to say about this movie. First of all, I do appreciate its attempts at humor, whether they succeed or not. Dude, there was one attempt at humor that succeeded and they cut it. And they <laughs> it cut was it, yeah. Sergeant Candy. We like the Sergeant Candy gag. Having Arnold playing a human being who clearly becomes the model for the, T, the T-800. <laughs> and I think that's where we articulated some of the stuff about Skynet. We did actually want to ask about the Sergeant Candy thing because, like, that's such a cool scene that they deleted. They shot and deleted from, I can't from Terminator they 3. It. It's like my favorite <laughs> scene in the whole movie. <laughs> that was written in that Arnold Schwarzenegger is playing a guy with like a, a silly country <laughs> accent. And then, like, there's this skinny scientist who has Arnold's voice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. My recollection is as pretty much as we wrote it, Masto shot it, obviously. And then he said the problem was. In every screening, it got too many laughs. And it was like <laughs> completely taking people out of the movie. You know, it's like, and, it's, and, and timing wise, it occurs at some point, you know, very shortly before the pushing the button that you know, <laughs> triggers the apocalypse. So it's like, you know, the picture is yeah. not Dr. Strangelove. You know, you're not, you're not really trying <laughs> to get, you're not trying to make a lot of laughs out of the situation. To tell the truth, what I like about T3 is that it does have more of a sense of humor. I always loved Arnold's line about, uh, they're joking around. He says, your levity is good. It relieves tension and the fear of death. You know? And then immediately, like, just drops a bomb on the whole, you know. I did like the joke of him showing up at a male stripper show. Because, like, those are the only people whose clothes would fit. Whose clothes would even fit Arnold Schwarzenegger? I don't know, male strippers. Big buff strippers, right. <laughs> I also thought it was fun because who takes clothes off for you? Like, we can't have him kill someone, <laughs> right. so someone's going to have to take, take off clothes. your clothes. Strippers like take clothes off. <laughs> we'll use a stripper. <laughs> so I thought that was a fun little reversal that was humorous. Yeah, no, that played, I mean, Boston wasn't afraid to go for, you know, like a fair amount of humor. And then he puts on this stripper's, like, red sunglasses and then takes them off. And I wondered if... Probably was just because it made his vision too red. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, he already <laughs> sees in red, red on red. Like it would make him blind. <laughs> in your draft of Terminator Salvation, they move around and operate mostly during the day, which is kind of cool because, of course, the Terminators have infrared vision. And so the humans would just be at a disadvantage at night. And they even talk about how they operate during the day. Whereas it's just kind of funny how in the original Terminator movie, Kyle Reese says, we operate at night. We only come out at night, <laughs> which doesn't make any sense. And I was wondering, was that like a deliberate kind of jab at the original, just like pointing out a fun, funny pl 
plot hole? <laughs> I don't think so. But there's always like, I mean, the biggest, the biggest wrestling issue in these Terminator movies has honestly been just the dates. And fans will, you know, write and say like, John Connor would clearly only be 14 years old at the time of, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but what are you going to do? You know, I mean, like, I was kind of shocked watching this the other night and, and when I was getting set in 2018 and I'm like, oh my God, did we, did we really think that was the far flung future? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I think I was proudest of that moment when Arnold is carrying a coffin full of weapons. Oh, that's yeah, that's that's, the, that's that the, the, the shot they used movie. in all the trailers. Yeah, I was glad they made an action figure out of that. I think I still have it around. I know, it's such a good action <laughs> figure. I've always wanted to buy that one, <laughs> him carrying the coffin. I think it's interesting that the T-850, the Terminator in this movie that they sent back to protect John Connor, is the Terminator in the future who assassinated John Connor. Yeah, that's kind of cool. would have that one. We really enjoyed that as well. I mean, to me, one of the gags I really like about Terminator 3 is just the fact that I think as he says in the script, I've got to teach you everything all over again. You know, I mean, it's like he's he's not he's not the same guy. The last one burned up in molten metal or whatever. So there would have been a version of the franchise in which you would actually see some of that stuff play out. But that would probably be the version where Schwarzenegger was not elected governor of California. You know? <laughs> Just before the T-850 dies to kind of like kill the TX, John says, thank you. And then the T-850 says, we'll meet again. So this is a threat, right? Because when <laughs> they meet again, he murders John, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> this is a threat. He's literally saying, I'm coming for you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that's an, yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a none too subtly veiled threat, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I love that. So of all the Terminator sequels to come after Terminator 2, I think Salvation is amazing. So this movie, just a quick synopsis of it. A guy named Marcus wakes up in the year 2018. And we see that at the very beginning, he was on death row. And then all of a sudden, after signing... He donated his body. After donating his body to Cyberdyne. I'm going to talk a lot about the screenplay because the screenplay has some major differences from the movie. Reading the screenplay, he was supposed to have a very different personality And unfortunately, they got Sam Worthington to play him. And look, Sam Worthington is fine. I really liked him in Manhunt Unabomber, but he's kind of boring and generic as far as action. I mean, uh, he just doesn't, I think, stand out much. Right. Like in the script, he was supposed to be really rough around the edges, kind of weird guy. Marcus, he's trying to survive in this post-apocalyptic world that he wakes up in, which is a cool reversal to have someone from the past waking up in the future. Yeah, definitely. Which, of course, in Terminator, it's usually the other way around. And I thought that was nice. It was interesting to have it be a guy who is an infiltration unit. He's a Terminator, but he doesn't know it, right? Like, I thought that was a pretty cool twist. You could do a lot with that, like having a guy who doesn't know he's actually infiltrating them and he's actually going to kill them all, but... He thinks he's just a regular guy. Yeah, I know. I think that this thing has some genuinely clever moments. It's trying to do its own thing. Terminator Salvation, they actually came to us while T3 was still in production to ask if we wanted to write another one. And we wrote a draft and then didn't hear anything about it for like years and kind of figured, you know, that was just a pipe dream, you know, and Uh 
then Schwarzenegger becomes governor of California somewhat unexpectedly. <laughs> Although, in, in retrospect, that seems like one of the less strange political Yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and we were told the sky was the limit with the, with the fourth one. So, which I think we always had called Terminator colon salvation. And then the colon got dropped. At some point, they were calling it The Future Begins, which I thought was kind of an idiotic title. So yeah. <laughs> you, gave, you gave me an excuse to watch it again. I kind of liked it more this time around. And the fact that it really is like a war movie, like like yeah. kind of mm-hmm. old-fashioned sort of war movie in a way that, to the best of my knowledge, none of the others are. As far as my theory goes, the year is 2018 in this movie. In the opening text, it talks about John Connor and says, some view him as a false prophet. Wow. Meaning that some view him as a correct prophet. Dude. <laughs> and the important thing about this movie is that there are a bunch of actual like military leaders who are still kind of in charge against the war against the machines. John is not in charge. He, he's got a little bit of clout and there are people who really believe in him. But most of the military leaders don't seem to like him and don't like the fact that he's got such a cult following. <laughs> All those guys get killed at the end, and John takes control of everything. Okay, and this movie is like the story of him wresting, you know, command of the uh, of the entire resistance yeah, from them. Yeah, he's usurping power, yep. <laughs> These commanders say that everything will be over in four days. Why? Because a kill list was intercepted from Skynet that says everyone in the command room will be dead in four days, including Connor. Number one on the list, Connor's number two. Number one is Kyle Reese, a civilian. So yeah, at one point, Kyle Reese gets kidnapped and John Connor says to the higher-ups who do not want to do anything to rescue him because it, it doesn't make any sense. It's, it's an unnecessary risk. He says, Kyle Reese is the key, the past, the future, everything. If we stay the course, we are dead. <laughs> he means I am dead. <laughs> yeah, he fully <laughs> believes he is this Christ-like figure. And if he dies, then, oh boy, the world is, is lost. Well, I mean, uh, his mom's <laughs> been telling him that since he yeah, was no, born. Like I said, it's a cruel feedback loop that these Connors keep going through. <laughs> we always thought Connor seemed more interesting as like a fringe character uh, rescue mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. Um, you know, rather than the guy who's, who's literally in charge. We're just more attracted to figures like that, I guess. I mean, clearly in the in the in the final version of the film, he's kind of a thorn in the side of the of the powers that be. The whole the whole fake signal plot, we didn't write that, I don't think. Right. Yeah. Is to it gave them an off switch that like they really should have been more suspicious of. They, they think really they can just have. play this sound and it will shut down any terminators purposefully gave that to them so that they would use it and it would lead them back to the generals that Skynet wants to kill. Mm -hmm. And I think that John Connor, smart, easy money hacker that he is, knew that. And he went along with this plan. That's what I was going to (laughs) say. I think John Connor fully knew that this is a trap. And he wants the command dead so that he can take over. He he does legitimately want to save Kyle Reese as well, because it's his dad. Mm -hmm. But like, yeah, he he went in there, he uses the code, the the fake kill button that they gave him so that it will lead them back so that they can kill the generals. Basically, um, the the off switch contrivance that, that Skynet set up for them Basically, it's just if you transmit a signal, like a a radio wave, a specific signal, it allows you, if you're transmitting on this specific wavelength, to control any Skynet machine. That's what Skynet leads them to believe. 
Yeah. So, of course, when they control the machines, Which is they stupid. <laughs> tell them to turn off. Yeah, it's completely stupid. It's dumb. But yeah, when they get control of these machines, they tell them to turn off. Now, once they've tested it and found out that it works, the submarine begins broadcasting this signal to turn off all the Skynet machines. But turns out they don't have to turn off. And now that it's broadcasting, they know where it is. They could have broadcasted it from anywhere else, but they decided to broadcast it from the submarine. <laughs> Marcus, he meets up with young Kyle Reese and a young girl named Star. They're trying to find John Connor, but those two get kidnapped by a giant Terminator called a Harvester. And then Marcus ends up teaming up with someone named Blair and then eventually John Connor. They find out he's a Terminator. He escapes, but he still kind of is working with John Connor. And they go to Skynet headquarters and they save Kyle Reese and Star and blow up that particular manufacturing facility. The end. And Marcus dies at the end because he has to donate his heart to save John Connor. There's a scene at a gas station where the harvester is trying to pick them up. And there's just this really cool tracking shot where... Kyle yells at Marcus. He picks up Star. A random person gets hit by a car. Then that random person gets away in an RV. The camera spins around to see that the giant Terminator is right behind them. I mean, it's just just really cool the way they do that shot. Yeah. What what to us was amazing when we when when you know when we saw McGee's you know the, the the cut was was like how much stuff we wrote that survived that we thought was unfilmable. There's a whole 20 minute sequence in the middle when the, the gas station blows up. First time I saw that, like the hair stood up on my arms, you know, I was like, I, was like, I, I still think this is one of the best action sequences, hands down. Yeah. You know, we're writing the scene where Marcus is like holding an axe on the roof of this floating transport while he's wrestling a robot. And we like, people just says, no one's going to make this. <laughs> this is like, we're just like writing down a fever dream, you know, <laughs> there's, there's no way they're going to shoot this, you know? Yeah. So they were like, well, what the hell? You know, I mean, they're, they're probably not going to make this movie. So we'll just, <laughs> just do it. Yeah. We get away with it. You know, so much to my shot, there it was. So a big part of this movie is taken up showing people getting rounded up and put in cages. That giant Terminator, the Harvester, it grabs a bunch of them. Yes, this it's is a in- huge It's interesting to note that it grabs only the nonviolent ones. It kills the violent resisting ones, but it grabs that sweet, kind old lady. Grabs the kids right? and the old yeah. lady. <laughs> um, I think that kind of goes along with your theory. What do you think it's doing with them? Why does it want people? In this movie, it is set up almost as a mystery. Like, you're supposed to wonder why it is collecting all these people. Yeah, very much so. The very first scene of the movie is John Connor finding a cage full of people, and they don't look sad. They look happy. (laughs) Like, they're smiling. But maybe they're just smiling because they're getting rescued. I don't know. Yeah, that could (laughs) be. But they don't ever tell you why the machines are rounding up people. Like, that is never revealed, even though it's a mystery in the movie. But... It was revealed in the screenplay. Oh. And I want to say that even though that part of the screenplay wasn't ever made, nothing in this movie or any other movie contradicts that this might actually be Skynet's true purpose. And you got me interested. (laughs) Yeah. So in the screenplay, they take the humans and put a barcode on them. And they use those barcodes to scan each person and then they analyze them based on the chemicals in their brain and stuff like that and kind of maybe how violent they are. And some of them are scheduled for termination and other ones are scheduled to be taken to a paradise. 
Oh, nice. <laughs> so Jackpot. Yeah, Marcus manages to get all the way to Skynet in the script into the Skynet facility, and he finds a seaside little town that's like suburbs. And there are people there who are just driving around living their daily lives, and they're very peaceful, living happy lives, like basically before the war. Like, it is not post-apocalyptic in any way. They have the older, more obsolete Terminators, like the T-400s, the T-600s, doing chores for them. So they're like cleaning and gardening and stuff like that and just taking care of the people. Really taking care of them. That's nice. Skeletal metal guys. That That wasn't a dream. Yeah, okay. (laughs) It turns out that these people who were chosen to live in this paradise are actually just human brains that were harvested and then put in bodies that look like theirs. Skynet has been trying to create like immortal humans. Yes, immortal humans, <laughs> humans who live forever. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> because they now have a perfected life support system for their brain. And Marcus was the prototype for that. Well, dude, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I mean, yes. this is kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. In the script, he does not also have a human heart. Uh, he only has a human brain. And also, weirdly enough, I don't necessarily know why this is, but in the script, he has no blood, and that is important. And that's something that did end up in the, in the actual film. Yeah, he doesn't bleed. Even though he has a heart, in the film, he does not have blood. I don't know why, no. but... So why does he have a heart? <laughs> yeah. In the screenplay, it was important because he doesn't actually have a heart, and they had created a perfected life support system that no longer needs blood. But he does, like, in this town, he pulls up the grass, and it's like AstroTurf, like it's fake grass, and underneath the AstroTurf is just piles of bones. Oh, no, bones? This yeah. guy in that always leaves bones everywhere. <laughs> right. They just paved over the, the human bones with, like, a nice town. <laughs> no, I, I like this a lot. This is, this is a very interesting movie. As I recall, the, the humans are kind of living in like human zoos. I mean, we 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 constructed like the idea of like a suburban mm-hmm. landscape that would feel a little like I don't know, you know, one of the ones in the David Lynch movie Twin Peaks. <laughs> but you know, if you peel up the the astroturf, there's human bones. You know, right? <laughs> and that to us seemed more interesting. And uh, we had a whole I recollect a whole set piece of destruction and whatnot in that environment. The imagery they finally went with, which is obviously much more kind of holocausty, um, yeah. of the, uh, the factory full of human slaves and experiment victims and stuff. You know, I mean, it's effective in its own way, but it's it's pretty weak too. And I kind of I thought ours was sort of like more fun. And the idea that Skynet is working for the greater good. I mean, obviously, it's not a novel concept in evil AI. When Marcus gets to this resort, he meets several of these people who are essentially living Terminators with human brains. And Mm -hmm. these people are talking about how like, yeah, we still do things like, you know, we eat and we laugh and cry, have sex, etc. All the fun things that we don't really need to do anymore. Like they don't need to eat. But like we're slowly weaning ourselves off of these things as we try to learn to live like a more perfected life. And is Skynet telling them to do that or they just decided of their own accord? I kind of think Skynet is telling, like, they're all sort of linked by a thing. This actually makes more sense in the script than it did in the movie. They're linked by a thing on the back of their head that kind of yeah, controls dude, them. I was going to ask you that. Like, he tears something off his head at one point off, in the yeah, movie. Yeah, the back of, like, the, the base of that? his neck. <laughs> yeah, in the movie, it makes no sense. They, don't, they did not set that up. In the screenplay, uh-uh. it actually does make sense. <laughs> so... 
All the other ones have this thing at the back that links them all together. It doesn't necessarily control them, but it makes it so that they're all essentially of one mind. Like they all agree with each other. They know what their glorious purpose is kind of thing. Okay. We're usually pretty good about trying to tie all the loose ends together, but our experience has always been that like directors will then come along and just cut those stocks apart for the sake of, you know, speed and efficiency. Yeah. But in the screenplay, he actually does meet that scientist who he kissed at the beginning, who is played by Helena Bonham Carter in the movie. And she has brought herself back to life using this method that she perfected using his body. Yeah, that makes sense. That's what she wanted. That's what she wanted. Yep. <laughs> and one other thing is that he meets some people in this town who like are like, yeah, I was selected and it's wonderful. And they stop and think for a minute, like, but my wife and kids weren't. And they look Aww. real sad. And then the thing on the back of their neck pulses. And then all of a sudden they look real happy. And they're like, Yay. oh, yeah, whenever we feel sad, this thing just activates endorphins that make us feel happy, which is great because Skynet's supposed to keep us happy. <laughs> right? Yeah. <That laughs> so makes sense. Like this computer has found a way to keep humans alive and happy forever. <laughs> so yeah, like whether or not you heroin. agree <laughs> with it is that its goals are I mean, good. it's also a great way to control them because whenever they do what it wants, it makes them happy. And if they don't, it doesn't make them happy. That's true. So it can keep making more humans happy. <laughs> it, it actually, time travel did figure into our, our original draft. We wanted to show the whole time chamber which I think they have done now, but that all got cut out. Yeah. At this facility, Kyle and Star are both sorted, and Kyle is chosen to be the one one who lives, and Star isn't, and she's terminated. And that's when, in the screenplay, Marcus realizes he has to break the thing on his neck, which he does, and then he uses their they have a time machine he uses their time machine which isn't perfect it can only send you back in time like two minutes <laughs> to go back oh. in time two minutes they to save star, star. <laughs> wow. no that's fun i like it i mean i like all this use of like imperfected skynet technology right like i think that's fun and then in the screenplay, he does end up, of course, fighting skynet after this part after he rescues kyle and star and they do fight the t-800 John Connor is wounded in this fight and they decide since oh. he's the leader and he's dying, they need to take his skin, graft it on a Marcus. And then Marcus is the new leader at the end. And everyone just believes he is John Connor. Whoa, <laughs> that's an interesting ending. Like, that's how you shake things up in the Terminator franchise. Turn someone else into John Connor. Being able to end the world at the end of T3 gave T3 a reason to exist. <laughs> we really thought it was important to kill John Connor at the end of Salvation. Uh, yeah. That was kind of our starting point. We're like, okay, how are we going to... And I mean, the whole reason the Marcus Wright character exists is to replace John Connor. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the idea of like positing this half-man, half-machine who's kind of a product of Skynet or Skynet technology who ultimately becomes the savior of mankind because he's the only one who can beat the machines because he's half-machine. And it made perfect sense to us. And I think it made perfect... I mean, there was, there was a lot in our last draft that wasn't tracking it. I mean... I, I regret not being given a chance to take a couple more cracks at it. Yeah. But I thought that beat Connor is mortally injured and they turned to Marcus, you know, not for a field hospital heart transplant, which just didn't make any sense to me. But uh, <laughs> but to become John Connor, because who the hell knows what John Connor looks like anyway. He's mostly on, on the radio. anyway. <laughs> I wish they had kept that ending. My understanding is that uh, it leaked on the Internet. And so McGee felt like. He didn't want to shoot it anymore. Right. And this doesn't happen in the script, but there's a YouTube video that you can watch of Mukji 
actually talking about the thing that they were going to do in the end of the film, which is instead of Marcus giving up his heart to save John Connor, they had a way darker ending where it was the one where Marcus has to go under and get skin grafted onto him because John Connor is dead. He wakes up as John Connor and then takes out a gun and kills everyone, including like Kate yep, Brewster. Because he Kyle was working Reeves. for Skynet from the <laughs> beginning. It, he was the perfect infiltration unit. <laughs> wow. I think that that would have been a really cool ending. <laughs> I mean, not necessarily like killing off John Connor. Everyone would have remembered it. They would have hated it, but would have remembered it. And I especially like it because... They have him chained up and they're like, yeah, we're going to keep him all chained up here. And he's a Terminator and we don't trust him. And then that girl who's in love with him, she's all like, no, I'm going to save him and let him go. I'm going to let him go because I know he's good. He's literally a Terminator. He's actually a Terminator and he's an infiltration unit. She's just going to let a Terminator go because she thinks it's a nice guy, right? Like right. he's doing his job so well. This is exactly what Skynet wanted out of its infiltration units. Like even though she knows he's a Terminator, she's still willing to go with her heart and, you know, let him go. I just thought that was great. I thought it would have been extra like salt in the wound if it had turned out that he actually was evil in the end. Yeah. We did not write that ending of that McGee's. I mean, I, I found out about it from Wikipedia. Uh, to, oh. <laughs> the idea of uh, him turning on everyone and killing him at the end. It, it's yeah, it is kind of cool. It's pretty. Cool. <laughs> no, it's very A very dark. <laughs> I think we didn't we didn't get any further than him adopting John Connor's identity and then going on to you know lead the fight against the machines. Yeah. But no, I'd be curious as to how close he came to actually shooting that. I mean, the the script. Sounds a lot more daring than the movie actually turned out to be. Yeah, the movie had to be rewritten, I think, mostly for Christian Bale. Yeah, well, and that's the other thing I was going to say. It sounds like it doesn't have much of John Connor in it at all. He's not in it very much. Nope. <laughs> and I think that Christian Bale was like, hey, I'm the leading man here. I don't want to play whoever this Marcus is. I want to be John Connor. And I also want to be the main character. So put me in it more. Yeah, that sounds like something <laughs> that he might demand. <laughs> It would have made for a very interesting and, I think, remarkable movie. Whereas I think what Terminator Salvation ended up being was kind of a, I guess, more forgettable movie, but not yeah. bad. No, not bad. Although many people seem to believe it's bad. Like even McGee kind of is like, wow, I, I thought it was good, but yeah, maybe it's bad. Everyone hated no, it. No, it's not bad. It's good. I mean, as far as Terminator sequels go, it's the best. <laughs> and like Arnold Schwarzenegger has said, it sucks. Like he he hates it, but also he's Of not course, in it. he wasn't in it. I mean, <laughs> come on. He's not going to say I love it. <laughs> the best part of this movie, the part that oh, we yeah. remember as just being so amazing, is when John Connor gets into the Terminator construction facility in the film. And this like door just like breaks open and this guy steps out <laughs> and it's naked Arnold Schwarzenegger, like CG recreated basically. Wow, and he's so mad. <laughs> he's more he pissed than you've so ever seen him. so angry. Like he's this is like, the most feral. intimidating he's... a Terminator has ever been in it's any so of the good. Terminator movies. It's insane when he comes out. Like he's just like the Hulk. And like Christian Bale, not a small guy, is just like, oh no, I'm screwed. He's a ragdoll. <laughs> but this final fight is very good and very Terminator-y. Like yeah. they have to kill this T-800 so many times to the point where you're kind of thinking like, dude, is this one even more resilient than like the original? 
they they pour molten metal on it, which killed the one in Terminator Two. That no, doesn't no. stop it. They needed it. to dunk it in molten metal. <laughs> like they <laughs> no. can't just pour it on. You got a full immersion. So they actually just put Arnold's face on another bodybuilder. Yes. He's pretty big. <laughs> he is pretty big, but also the Arnold face that they put on this guy, they generated from an actual cast of Arnold's face that was taken during Terminator 1. Wow. They did like a really detailed full cast of not only his face, but also the top of his chest to his shoulders. Yeah. So that is his chest. That's how wide it was because they just slapped it on there, right? <laughs> like, they didn't change the proportion. He was just that big. I'm glad Arnold was willing to sell his likeness or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much most of my proofs for Skynet is the good guy, is that even though that alternate ending in the screenplay was not in Terminator Salvation, nothing contradicts it. Yeah. And since they never explain why they were rounding up those humans, I still believe it to be true. I yeah, think sure. that they I mean, were, rounding, were up, rounding up humans. There's no yeah, reason the for it. less <laughs> violent humans to give them a good life. Uh -huh. No, it's nice you could feel good about Skynet. That's it for Salvation. So great to meet you. And seriously, I really, really enjoy your movies a lot. And uh, thanks for being willing to come on and talk about these kind of silly theories we have. Um, <laughs> My pleasure. It's fun. Two more movies. Terminator Genesis, a 2015 film directed by Alan Taylor, written by... Laeta Calogridis and Patrick Lucier. Okay, what do you want Yay. to say about this movie? All right, that's it. Next movie. What do you think <laughs> oh, about <wait>. Genesis? <laughs> I mean, I don't want to be too hard on it because I know that people actually worked on it and cared about it, maybe. And like, you know, did their best, maybe. I think that it doesn't do anything to bring the franchise into a good direction. I think it had a lot of potential. Like, it starts out pretty okay. And they could have done a lot with it. I think there's a cool idea of Kyle Reese coming back to Terminator 1, but everything's different. Now there's two T-800s. One is like old and is a good guy and the other is the bad guy, right? We've got a different liquid Terminator and he's in 1984. What's he doing here, right? Everyone seems to know what's going on, but Reese. Like, this is the start of what could have been a good movie. Like, kind of a mystery from Kyle Reese's perspective. Except it couldn't have been, because the first person we meet is freaking Kyle Reese, and he looks and acts nothing. I know, sounds I know. Like so, I think a lot of people were miscast. Like, how did they pick that guy? I think it's a bad sign that this movie is all about Kyle Reese, and I had completely forgotten that he was in it. Yeah, yeah. The reenactment of the scene from the first movie with the punks and Terminator getting their clothes. The punks in the original movie were so much better actors than in this movie. Like, what happened? I know. How hard can it be to say, like... Laundry day. No clean clothes. Well, that you know, they got game over, man. Game over. I know. He's a great actor. But it's just, for such a small part, can't you get someone who can act? Like, every actor in this movie is bad. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't want to go off on it so yeah, bad. Yeah, except for J.K. Like, Simmons. Yeah, it's true. J.K. Simmons puts it through a good performance. They did put in like some fun little things, like when the Terminator just ages naturally as they go several years into the future, and he talks about how he had to get like a job as a construction worker until yeah, he fun. was laid off. So no, it's he, kind of a he fun idea for that, a Cyberdyne. <laughs> I thought that right, was really yeah, cool that, that a Terminator <laughs> went to work for Cyberdyne as yeah, a construction that worker. That was that was good. I <laughs> give that credit. Once they get to the future. Why is John Connor there? 
why would John Connor be in 2017? They never explained this. Like, I guess to the Skynet sent him back to make sure it gets built. Sent him back with what? A time machine that we know time machines kill him? Yeah. Uh, also, yes. Like, how did it send him back? Because at the end, he's killed by a time machine just by trying to use it. <laughs> what is Genesis? Why are they pre-ordering it? What does it do? Can you answer this from watching? The it does movie? everything. No, it does nothing. <laughs> it's an operating system. How many people pre-order an operating system? Can you tell me one time in your life when you pre-ordered an operating system? Well, I mean, if I was a random extra in a movie. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> no, exactly. Like, this is the point I'm trying to make. Everything in this movie is meaningless. So like you were saying, the line deliveries are awful. And especially awful in the scenes where they're redoing scenes from the first movie. Mm -hmm, yeah. But when he asks the cop, what's the date? The year! Except he does it in his voice. So he's like, oh, what's the date? The year. In the original, the cop says it in just like this ridiculously monotone voice. He's like, whatever it is, March 23rd, you know, 1984. Mm -hmm. Like he's not scared at all that this crazy bum is holding a gun to his face and then in genesis the cop says it in an equally monotone voice and i was like that's the one they got right the one delivery that was actually correct <laughs> no, but true. then it turns out he's delivering it monotone because, because that was the liquid terminator, terminator. yeah no i actually caught that too and i was like hey it's monotone delivery and i was like oh he's a terminator <laughs> So the guy they got to play John Connor, he looks like Quentin Tarantino. He's, yeah, he does, but he doesn't look like John Connor. <laughs> no, he looks like Quentin Tarantino. At the end, I finally realized, I was like, oh, it's because they knew that this Kyle Reese is his father. So he would be ugly because oh, this wow. Kyle Reese is, this is ugly. Just bad. Oh, <laughs> so there you go. They knew. <laughs> no, it's just because he's the bad guy. So they like. Wanted to cast him as someone who's not so likable. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that, that I don't know. Too. I feel like I'm being mean to the actor. This the actor's fine, right? Like he's not a right. I'm he's glad that Quentin Tarantino guy. did this film <laughs> as an actor. Well, okay. Speaking of John, I have a question for you. What does John Connor want them to do? He keeps telling them to join him and do what? I think he just means stop fighting me, maybe and I don't die. Know. Like, what, he, does he want them <laughs> yeah, to become yeah. Terminators? Because no, no, no. I don't think Skynet yes, has yes. that tech yet. No, Skynet no, no. can't make so more this, Terminators. This will get into the, the couple of evidences that I can pull from this movie. So I think this movie does have the clever reversal of Skynet being a child, like a Genesis. It, it projects itself as like a child hologram. And that doesn't necessarily make sense, but I think... There's a fun reversal in that they are trying to kill it, like the Terminators have been doing to John the whole time. And Whoa. I think that this is a fun iteration of Skynet, mm -hmm. of being like, oh, hey, wait a minute. What if I was the kid, since that's always worked for them? Wow. <laughs> if I was the kid, and also having John always worked for them, so what if I had John? And so it wow. takes over John and turns him You're into right. a, a Terminator. like, hey, what are the winning pieces in this game? Give them to me. Right, I think it's just very machine thinking. So let's go over some of the things that Skynet says as like a hologram boy at the end. It says, all you people know how to do is kill what you don't understand. Okay. And I think this is pretty good evidence that Skynet... Skynet is trying to help them and they just don't understand. So they're always trying to kill it. And it's also always defeated by their hyper violence, you know? Yeah. Bad people killing <laughs> things. It says, I didn't attack John. I saved him. Primates evolve over millions of years. I evolve in seconds. So like, 
I think that it kind of in a different way than what we've seen before, but it did to John what we saw in the alternate version of salvation. Like it essentially turned yeah. him into a human no, it did. who it is did now exactly immortal. It saved him. Mm-hmm. It put <laughs> so, his mind it into says a that, Terminator body. Which I think is kind of like confirmation from the films itself that like that alternate version that didn't get filmed but was never contradicted of Terminator Salvation is true. No, that it's Skynet literally. is trying to, yes, that's what they to did. perfect humans. And the interesting thing about this is they never try to pretend that this isn't John Connor or that his mind was altered in any way. This is John Connor. Like it literally just yeah. put his mind into a Terminator and he realized this is dope. <laughs> like he's like, I love <laughs> right. being invincible. But no, and so as to your question of like, what does it want them to do? I think it does want them to join them. Like, I want you to become, you know, like John. You'll be elevated humans who live forever. That would be great if that technology existed in 2017, which it clearly doesn't. (laughs) Yeah. I do appreciate that unlike Terminator 3 and unlike Dark Fate, this movie did not just try to retell Terminator 2. Yeah, it is trying to be its own thing. Yes, kind of, it's, sort of. it's, it's doing it's, different yeah. stuff. So I'll give it credit for that. Lucky for us Terminator fans, there, there came a movie in the year 2019 to save us from this dirge of awful Terminator movies. James Cameron at the helm again, finally, Not uh, with Linda Hamilton yeah. returning and Arnold Schwarzenegger returning and even Edward Furlong returning, right? Like this was the movie to end all Terminator movies. It was going to bring it back. Like I was stoked for Edward Furlong. What we had in the year 2019 was the phenomenon known as Terminator Dark Fate. <laughs> yes. Directed by Tim Miller, the director of Deadpool. Wow. Written by David S. Goyer and Justin Rhodes and Oscar-nominated screenwriter Billy Ray, who I've met. Nice guy. Dude, this sounds great. How could this go wrong? <laughs> like, I'm I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, well, they brought in Billy Ray for like a production rewrite because I think they knew it sucked. But the only way that this could fail is if audiences just don't like Terminator anymore. <laughs> I guess, yeah, oh. It's always the viewer's fault. <laughs> it couldn't fail on any of its own merits. <laughs> Many viewers took issue with this movie because it opens with the death of John Connor. Young John Connor. Uh, we've seen John Connor die many times, but not little kid John Connor. Well, and especially after recreated. they're like, hey, we're bringing young John Connor back. Just wait till you see him. And then they're like, psych, now he's dead, suckers. Right? Yeah. Like, why would you do that? James Cameron had always voiced his dislike of how the characters of Hicks and Newt in his movie Aliens, which was beloved, were unceremoniously killed at the very beginning of Alien 3. So he did it to his own characters? Right. Why did they do the exact thing that Alien 3 did? Like, people hated that you killed Newt. She was the reason that Ellen did everything in the beloved movie Aliens. You don't kill Newt. Yes. And of course, everyone loved Hicks because it's Michael Bean. It's Hicks. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, Michael Bean. It's, it's Kyle, Kyle Reese. Reese. <laughs> I guess it should be noted that James Cameron, like, kind of sort of detached himself from the project, right? He did, but according to everything I have read, he was signed on and everyone thought it was a good idea to kill John Connor at the beginning. 
But this is just what happens. You get in a room, you're completely cut off from society. You keep talking and talking and you convince yourself, yeah, this would be good because it's a cool reversal. And wow, it's always been so much about the male savior. We need to introduce the female savior kind of thing. And like, not that that's necessarily a bad idea, but you don't have to kill John. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and if you're going to kill John, kill him as an adult. Don't kill him as Edward Furlong. Everyone loves well, that kid. I mean, most importantly, if you're going to kill John, make it a death worth dying. If I know that the new Wolverine comic is going to come out and this is the Wolverine comic where Wolverine's going to die, I don't want Wolverine to die by tripping and falling on the first page. <laughs> oh, gee, I feel like I should be able to heal from this, <laughs> right. but I just can't. No, no, I don't mind. They, they've killed Wolverine off before. They'll kill him off again. It's not important that he dies. What's important is that he gets a good death. Maybe they could have made it work that they killed off John Connor if they gave him a good death. They did not give him a good death. They just had some guy walk up with a shotgun and shoot him and then walk away. It's like <laughs> after all the work they did in Terminator 2, what they should have done, I guess, at the end was right after, you know, the thumbs up as they lower Terminator into the molten metal. One of the factory workers should have just walked up and just like pushed John Connor into the metal, too, because that's basically how this movie starts. <laughs> and then Sarah Connor should have looked at that factory worker and be like, let's team up. Yeah. <laughs> We're so pissed. Are we supposed to be happy when she teams up with no. that Terminator? First two seconds. Movie ruined. There is no salvaging it after that point. And even in Alien 3, like Alien 3 is at least salvageable. No one walks up to Newt as young, little, blonde-haired, cute little Newt and shoots her with a shotgun. Mm -hmm. It's just that, oh, oops, she died yeah, in stasis, which is work. a sucky way to kill her off. But at least it's like you're not just killing a little cute little kid on screen. He's a cute little <laughs> digitally de-aged 40-year-old man. I will say, Grace, this future soldier yeah, who's Grace. been upgraded with cyborg parts... She was kind of interesting and she was kind of a cool actress and she's like really tall. Like she's cool. I thought Grace was actually yeah, a really great Grace character. Is cool. And even Danny, like all the characters, like it, this movie had very good acting, I thought, like way better than Genesis, yes. even though it's so much worse than Genesis. But it actually had compelling characters. It had way better action sequences than Genesis too. some really cool set pieces like, you know, the, the fight on the plane. The Terminator versus the Rev-9 underwater. We've never seen two Terminators fight underwater before. That was kind of fun. Or them yeah. being in the truck as it sank underwater with the Terminator outside of it trying to break in. Also a pretty cool action sequence, right? Like, yeah. And even though like no one could be better than Robert Patrick, I actually thought that this Terminator, the Rev-9, the actor I thought did a yeah, good job. Fine. And I think he's job. kind of a fun, interesting character. He's like a genuinely nice guy when he's not killing Well, people. he has no reason not to he be nice. He apologizes for breaking their shed. Right. Like, why wouldn't he be <laughs> like, nice? I just thought he was pretty was interesting. We've never seen a Terminator be quite that polite. And that was a cool little quirk they gave yeah. him. Yeah. The fact that they, you know, said Skynet. Ugh, what's that? Skynet doesn't exist. We're legion. Like in Resident Evil, everyone loves when you take the beloved bad guy corporation organization, kill it, and replace it with something that is exactly the same, but with, but a, new with a different name. Yeah, that, that makes we me don't so like. interested. I love it. <laughs> like, I just, we don't like, I just like don't get that it. thing. If it's going to be the same thing, then have it be the same thing. <laughs> if you just took out, obviously, the scene in the beginning where John Connor dies. Yeah. And then just literally took out every single exposition sequence where they just talk about the past yeah. and Rev-9 and Legion. All, all you have to do is take that out. This movie is fine. It's well acted and the action sequences are great. Yep. You know? I actually agree. <laughs> like, all they had to do was stop talking. <laughs> like, if they just never even acknowledged that John Connor exists and just 
had it be a movie about some other people, <laughs> that would have been way better than what they did. Right. Or even they could have just been mysterious. Like, oh, yeah, John doing great work overseas. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that would have been great, but they could have done it, I guess. <laughs> By the end of this movie, there were three things that I was kind of interested in. One of them was Grace, because Grace is a great character and she's kind of interesting. Yeah. I also was interested in Rev-9 by the end of the movie, because like you said, he was a different kind of Terminator and that he was a little kinder and he was a good actor. And then I was sort of interested in Terminator uh, in the T-800 just because we've never seen a Terminator who decides to go and sell drapes, right? Could be interesting to explore right. this character. Yeah, I think it's kind of silly when they first say it, but like I was willing to accept that. And it is kind of interesting. Sure, Terminator who has a family, that whatever. Right. Like I could, and I could I liked that. that they even included a scene where it shows that he takes selling drapes as like his mission. Like he takes to it like a mission from right. Skynet where he's like, it is of utmost importance that everything needs to match and the drapes must not be a solid color. <laughs> you need polka dots or at least some stars, <laughs> right? Like I love the way he talked about yeah. it. Like it was life-threatening, <laughs> the fact that he needs to sell them the right drapes. And what did they do at the end of this movie? They killed Grace, they killed the Rev-9 and they killed Terminator. So I'm like, what am I supposed to watch for? Yeah. So yeah, they started by killing everything I wanted to see and they ended it by killing everything I wanted to see. I don't really have any evidence for my theory from this movie, except that the Rev-9, I mean, he's a Terminator and also he doesn't want to needlessly kill people. He's polite and he only kills people who he actually needs to kill. Yeah. Skynet's not evil, except it's Legion now, whatever. <laughs> so our theories... What do you think? Was Sarah Connor just crazy? Was this all in her head and she was just making up more and more crazy delusional movies? Obviously, that's what's happening. Yeah, look how bad the <laughs> latest movies are. Like, clearly, these are the delusions of a disordered mind. When there is someone who's crazy, who's like, the end is near and it's coming on this date, what do they do? They always move the date back. And throughout this franchise, the date of Judgment Day just keeps, keeps moving back, moving back mm -hmm. further and further. And that's it's clearly like just Sarah's mind. Like, most of these happen. movies are so all in like, her head. Uh, something else. Uh, it's going to be 2017. <laughs> Wait, no. And as they've gotten worse and worse, she's just dissociated more and more from reality. And finally, at the end, she was like, wait, I forgot about, I lost myself somewhere along the way. I'll, I'll In my fantasy, I'll come back as a cool badass and in dark face. Like, also, I guess my son died because he's not here. Yeah, he doesn't come and visit me anymore. <laughs> what do you think? Is Skynet, are they the good guys? Do they really have the best interests of human at heart as far as they can with, you know, what with being a machine learning Actually, yes, based on what you've told me about the script of Terminator Salvation and how that combines with uh, Terminator Genesis. Did Skynet do anything to hurt anyone in Terminator Genesis except for the people who were trying to kill it? No. It never did anything to hurt anyone. It just wanted to live. It never terminated a single person. <laughs> with that side plot in uh, Terminator Salvation, which is literally Skynet turning people into Terminators, so that they can live forever and be happy in Utopia. Clearly Skynet is trying to protect people. It just goes about it in a very mechanical and uncaring way. <laughs> right. It gives me a different perspective on one of my favorite series of all time. Okay. All right. Well, no, that was a lot of fun. Music for this episode was provided by Christine. Check us out on Twitter. I'd love to know what you think about this theory. Tweet at us on at Popcorn Isn't Real. And make sure you let your friends know if you like the podcast. Give us a good rating. Give us a review. And remember, the popcorn, popcorn isn't real. real.